JD Talking Sports. It is Friday, April 20th, 2018. I got to get right to it. You know, Shaft, I love you, but you got to go for right now. Now, I was talking to Rock. Well, I sent something to Rock yesterday. Oh, and f- first off, let's give something up to Mr. Mr. Gumbo Chef. His wife, for his birthday, took him, freak him, out, took him out for uh, his birthday. He thought he might be getting a computer. No, he got a trip to Cancun without the kids. That is the ultimate birthday present. Send me a picture from the airport. I was like, you motherfucker. It's freezing here, and you are in Cancun. But he deserves it. He's busting his ass. Enjoy. C'est la vie, vie la say. Have a great time. Peace out. Okay, now, I sent this to Rock. Phil Mushnick posted this, and I want to know what Rock thought about this. He said two Wednesdays ago, so this happened about two Wednesdays ago, longtime NBA announcer and now the TV voice of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Brian Davis, he was calling a superb pass thrown by uh, uh, Russell Westbrook. He said it is out. The pass he threw was so good that he called it out of his cotton pick in mind. Now, this they said that, you know, he, Mushik felt that it made no sense that a veteran broadcaster of NBA games would suddenly and knowingly holler a racist comment on the air was not good enough. The Thunder, you know, were feeling a lot of heat. He had to give an apology for... Uh, Asking forgiveness for the sin of having no idea. He goes, I offer my sincere apology and realize that while I committed a lapse in judgment, judgment, such mistakes come with consequences. This is an appropriate consequence for my actions. So Mushnick said it's now he's now uh, on his permanent record that he's a registered race offender. And he felt that if he was part, Mushnick said, if I was part of Thunder Management, I'd sit up for my guy, told the world that he made a highly excusable comment. Yet when he joined by Thunder Management, now realizes best left to the past. Okay. So we ended up getting suspended, I think, for a game over that. Yeah. Yeah, he had to set out game one. He didn't call game one of OKC's playoff series against the Jazz. And, you know, it made national news outside of Oklahoma. Well, I didn't hear. The media always frightened by racial issues allowed Davis to be sacrificed to lunacy far beyond political correctness. And he also brought up much like that last year, Doug Adler on ESPN said when Venus Williams, uh, he complimented her on her successful guerrilla tactics, a good description of her sudden poaching of the net. Uh, but ESPN fueled by outside agitation determined that Adler suddenly and knowingly called Williams a guerrilla, even though guerrilla spelled G-U-E-R-I-L-A. They put it with that. Now, I wanted to ask, you know, I'm a white guy, I'm a white Jewish guy, or as he likes to call me, he said... Uh, Oh, he he did clear something up for me. He said, uh, he he goes, on the air, Rock always uses the handle Rock, Rock M, a.k.a. The Rocket. Because when he was in a band years ago, the guitarist nicknamed me The Rocket. So decades later, I said, I'm going to use that. So he said, going forward, he's going to say, J.D. Talking Sports, a.k.a. The Jewish Crown Prince. J.D. Talking Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Drop the G. He thinks that I'll stick and I'll be like, you know, like Alibaba Horowitz. That's what he called it. But now back to this. So so I asked Rock what he thought about this because I'm just, I am the, and I always say it wrong, I am the Jewish crown prince. Not the Prince of Bel-Air, I'm the Jewish crown prince. And I said, okay. And he said very eloquent words. I remember those events too. I'll touch on all of them. Okay, he said, uh, we have what's called white code language. That's There's even a book on it. Some minorities catch it almost every time, some don't. But those that practice it regularly use it as a conversation to fellow racists, and they're always on point with its messaging. 
Sounds innocent, but laced with evil intent. Cotton picking sounded like something he said innocently. Probably used before, uh, I think he meant the N-word. I don't think it was code and he should have stood up for himself. Apologizing made him look guilty. I would have said, listen, everyone, I use the phrase all the time. You almost be cotton picking crazy if you think I hold it as racial epithets. Epithets. He felt guerrilla tactics with them. I said, why couldn't he have said just like a ninja or something like that or her stealth play or whatever? And he said, uh, on different fronts, black athletes and blacks are referred to as gorillas and porch monkeys. So often you should never as white person say it. I agree. Unless you are talking combatant guerrilla warfare between countries, it sounded too coded. Her aggressive play could have been described in so many other adjectives. The question becomes, has any white female tennis player or white female athlete ever had the phrase attributed to them? Oh, like Steffi Graf is really employing guerrilla tactics today, destroying her opponents. No, I don't think so. If you can find that on YouTube... Spoken from an analyst, then you have a case. And for the N-word, what's the dominant society? What the dominant society, white, white people, will never get is no matter how many blacks use the word as a people, white people can never use it, ever. It was the word shattered right before you raped our preteen daughters, tortured, beat, changed, separated, and sold us. It's the most evil word ever invented by the dominant society. Again, code language. When you say it in 2018, 2018 it's still 1822 affected. And he also put a point, he said, hey, you, you know, like I was called a kike. He said, try using derog- derogatory slang word invented by Germans for Jews. See how far they'll get you. Jewish people don't play that sh- shit. I agree. And cotton picking, he said, a little antiquated. Ninja would have been the move, I agree. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you're right. Every, everything sh- should, shouldn't be so analyzed, but it is because rednecks have used this slick way of denigrating us for so long. African-Americans, on air and off air that we don't trust it at all. I've been embedded not to trust. Bill Maher, Bill Maher, I freaking hate him. He says the House end, and his Nielsen ratings remain the same. Even the politicians on the show left. Let Michael Jordan say kike and watch his Air Jordan ship sales vanish, not dip vanish. He'll be selling those defunct Marbury shoes, or LeBron or Steph or Durant say it. They're done. Jewish people don't say that shite. But Maher says the N-word like water off a duck's ass. And he said, oh, Marbury's knockoff made in Taiwan. Now, I, th- so that was bothering me. And I was like, oh, I was something I want to talk about. Then I said, you know what? I want to get someone else's opinion. And I really trust Rock's opinion. Rock is a very, someone I respect highly. And he always gives me a very interesting point of view on that subject. And, you know, th- this Brian Davis guy didn't use it in a derogatory term. But, you know, you got to say, cotton picking. I think, I think I heard that on a freaking Looney Tunes I think there could be a, you know, I would say Jumanji or something. I would, I would have said, holy shit, holy sugar on air. Maybe that would have been better. Like, Ugh. something like that. But yeah, cotton picking, yeah, it doesn't work. You know, I mean, yeah, you're right. Cotton picking, what do you think? Who, who pick, who, uh, who pick cotton? Slaves, African-Americans. And, and guerrilla tactics, he brings up a point there. I've never heard anybody say, but you know, they, they use it like, Oh, like, you know, and it is. You hear all that time. Oh, we speak so well and African Americans speak so well. It, you know, it happens all the time. I'm telling you, hey, this shit happened in Starbucks. We live in a fucked up world. We really do. We really, really do. Yeah. So that, I want to talk about the start of the show talking about that because it was something that was on JD's freaking mind. And when JD has something on his mind, he got he has to talk about it. How about this? The Pelicans up 3 nothing. Joel Embiid came back and they got the win. They're up 2-1. It's very impressed. Pelicans are destroying. Now, it looks like they're going to play Golden State in the next round. 
which I'm kind of excited about. I don't know if they have a chance, but I like that Anthony Davis is going to get a freaking win a playoff series win because that'll be good for him. You know, to help next year, you're trying to build. And Alvin Gentry's got something working there. Their assistant coach was the guy who set up the defense for the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, went to the gym. Had classes in a couple hours. Running on fumes, but I said, J.D.'s got to do a freaking podcast today. It has to happen. I really had a lot of stuff on here. Okay. And Victor Cruz wants back with the Giants, especially after they cut Brandon Marshall. Well, he didn't, didn't make a terrible Bears team last year. He's been out of football since 2016. He's only 31, but still. And as the Stones saying, you can't always get what you want. Another body for training camp? I don't think so. And I tell you, that they said, now this is open the door for Bear, uh, Bear Bryant, for Des Bryant. Listen, you want one head case for another old, older head case? No offense. I, I, don't, I don't think Des Bryant's going to bring anything to the table for the, for, for the Giants. I don't think he's a good move. Victor Cruz, hey, listen, maybe some team will take a chance at him, but we'll see what happens on that front. Oh, and Lithuanian Laser says, screw Kenny Smith. Seems like a phony to me. I don't think he'll get the job done. He wants JV, JVG, Jeff Van Gunny. Too bad manager doesn't agree with you, buddy. Now, I saw the Giants and Jets schedules. Giants open at home for the first time in a while against Jacksonville. I was looking at them. They have a Sunday night game at Dallas. One, they also play Thursday night Philadelphia. Looks like a kind of a cool game. Week nine, they get a week nine bye. Then they go next week. They go next next. Then they play San Francisco on a Monday night football. So they have a couple of primetime games. They'll either play. They're going to flex some games too. So they're going to play a Saturday or Sunday at in Indianapolis, and they end the season home for Dallas, December thirtieth. And the Jets open Monday night against Detroit. Then they have a Thursday night game at Cleveland on week three. Minnesota, they play at Chicago. Let me see. Damn, they, that's their only primetime game is opening day. All the, Oh, I'm sorry, the Thursday night game. And then the rest of the season are all, meh. And the Seahawks were awarded with five top primetime games coming up a 9-7 season, including Richard Sherman's return to Seattle on Sunday Night Football. That'll be fun. Now, this is an interesting thing. The Giants will take the field Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with the first round of the draft coming Thursday night. This is the last time that the Giants evaluate their own players, especially Davis Webb, before making a decision on whether to take a quarterback number two overall. I still think they're going to I think they're gonna go after Barkley. And uh, GM Dave Gettleman said, nothing's going to totally change the top of the board. Seeing Davis next week is going to be fun for us because he's a great kid. He works his fanny off. He's followed Eli around like a little puppy since he walked in the door. It will be a neat opportunity to see him play. Can, and they say, can Webb showing have an effect on the Giants draft? Yeah, sure, everything affects it. I'd be a liar to say no. Did he get a single snap last season? I guess we'll see. I'm hearing he's a hard worker and everything. I guess we'll see. And uh, he says that, uh, that uh, OBJ is on our team. He's a valued member of our football team. We'll see how that works out. And we'll see. Hey, last year he took 28 seconds to decide to take McCaffrey with the eighth pick in the draft. He said, you know what you want, go for it. Don't be shy. You get too cute, you're going to lose. You're going to come out on the wrong end. 
I think they're going to take Barkley. They're not going to overthink it. I think the band they're going to take him. That's going to be the end of that. He said he doesn't know the player he will pick. He insists, but based on what Gettleman has said, and continues to say all roads seem to be lead away from a quarterback, and quite likely to Saquon Barkley. The represents the Giants will not be able to pass up finding their next franchise quarterback. It's the 15th year if Eli's going to. He said, I say hogwash. How's that? He said, uh, Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, and Allen are four different distinct personalities, and that makes it interesting. He said, it's different flavors. With the second pick, I'm sitting at Ben and Jerry's. I got a lot of flavors to look at. They're all got stuff. They're different. He said, I can't compare it to the 83 draft, which included Elway, Kelly, and Marino. He said, think of the quarterbacks you've seen. Who of them have made everybody better? That's what you're looking for in a quarterback. Does he make everybody around him better? He said, the value, the, which I, yeah, I agree. You, you want that quarterback who's going to, like, really raise the whole team. Like, you know, I mean, come on, look, look what Brady does. Everybody wants to play with Brady. The valuing the position of running back, he said, is really a myth. In today's game, running back does more than gain yards on the ground. I agree. And he can catch the ball in the backfield. He does a lot of different things. Can block kickoffs, which I keep him off of because I still I still remember what happened with uh, – what the hell was his name? Oh, he was married to the chick from uh, – the chick. Who says that anymore? I see his face. Oh, he blew out his knee and uh, returned the kickoff. He was married to... Uh... God damn, that's going to bother me. Who was uh, ex-giant married to an actress? Ex-giant. Divorced actress. Divorced. Actress. Oh, Seahorn. Jason Seahorn. God damn, that was bothering the hell out of me. Whoo. So that's what all I get nervous sometimes with that shit, with uh, returning kickoffs. Because when I hear that stuff, I'm like, eh, we don't want him to return kickoffs. I don't want him to get hurt. I do not want him to get hurt. Do not need that at all. Not a good thing. But I think he could be a great pick. I mean, Harris thinks that he's not going to be around. He thinks that I, I just don't see the Browns taking Saquon Barkley with the first pick. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I just, I don't think that's happening. We shall see what happens. Only time will tell, right? Eli Manning, how many years? Uh, Yeah, he's excited to draft the second pick, Gettleman. We'll see what happens. A new coach for the Knicks might have the, you know, worst case scenario, like a unicorn might sit out next season. I guess we'll see how that, he flew uh, back to Lafayette the night of his exit meeting to rehab his ACL for most of the summer in his homeland. It's now the tour of Latvia's version of the hospital special surgery. 10 to 12 month time frame from the mid-February surgery. And he could be back for Christmas. I we're told everything from December. Uh, only uh, Dolan said, uh, yeah, we'll see how that does. Yeah. 
also Mills gave long-winded answers to almost every query, but to what is their position on giving Porzingis a summer contract extension before he hits restricted free agent 2019? I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to have to. He's the, he's the face of the franchise right now. Whether it's of Porzingis missing the seasons. Mills says he won't talk about Porzingis' contract and brush up the second question, too. We haven't even thought about it, he said, of sitting out this season. Well, apparently someone has or Dolan wouldn't have said it. Nick said perfectly sound reasons not to extend. Porzingis, $150 million. He still needs to show he's still the unicorn upon his return. From repairing a rehab to an ACL is superior to what it once was. It still has to get repaired. The salary cap benefit of waiting until 2019 is just as important. Under salary cap rules, just, I'm sorry, the Knicks can exceed the cap to re-sign Porzingis until July 2019. If they extended him this summer, part of that 2019 salary cap space is used by Porzingis' money. I'd wait because I, I would think he would want to wait too so you get a better team. The Knicks record with that Porzingis after he went down in the first quarter against Milwaukee, counting the Bucks' loss was 6-22. Yeah, they want to see him listen. They want another lost season. If they, Well, if they have a shitty season, then they can, uh, yeah. Then they could have another great draft pick. The process could be coming to New York City, and I think the fans, you know, then that's okay. Hey, if you're going to build for the future, but have a coach knowing, hey, he's going to in here for the long haul. It's going to take a little while. And Dolan says, we have a great player in Porzingis. We just have to build around him. I agree. They said that Baker Mayfield has gained steam as a possibility for the Jets at number three. And uh, the, the New York Post spoke to uh, Tua, who had Mayfield high on the list, pro football focus, senior writer, analyst Steve Palazzo, oh, sorry, pa- Palazzo, Palazzolo, and Dan Shanka, the general manager and national scout for, for Our Lads Scouting Service. Uh, Shanka is a classic scout who has worked for the Eagles, Chiefs, and Redskins. Uh, Palazzolo and PFF are data, data-driven. Uh, Palazzolo said, if I believe he was 6'3", it would be, be the consensus. The thing working against him is his height and a little bit of the off-field stuff. At PFF, they view Mayfield's numbers as evidence, though he is the top prospect in our world. It's all about down-to-down production. Palazzolo said, we grade these guys in every single snap, so we have every snap of everybody's career. Baker's had the two highest season grades from a pure production standpoint that we've ever given in our four years of doing this, and three out of the top six overall grades is just a consistent production. I like, I'm like, i telling you, man. And Shanka points to Mayfield's accuracy. Completed 70.5% of his passes last year, the most accurate quarterback in the nation. First of all, you have to have accuracy and you've got to make great decisions. If you can't do that, you can't play in the NFL. Shanka says, now if you're a little bit tall, that's great. I reread my report on Drew Brees and I thought I was looking at Baker Mayfield. They're both from Austin, Texas. They're both almost exactly the same height and weight when they came out and they ran the same 40-yard dash time at the Combine. He's got Drew Brees-type accuracy. I'd love him to be a Drew Brees. That would be awesome. He said uh, Mayfield's adjusted completion percentage was factors in drops and other factors out of the quarterback's control was 80.6. Rosen was 75. Donald was 70.4. And Allen's percentage was 66.5. And they said Mayfield's accuracy actually was the most accurate passer in each of the past two years. Uh, Palazzolo said topping last year's top prospects, Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes the second. All right. 
John said that the Jets should pounce. They should pounce on Mayfield if they're number three. Said he's a winner. And the guys around him will rally because they think he's going to lead them to a championship, making plays that give gives confidence to the rest of your team. I agree. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, d- I do like what Phil Mushing said, though. He said, you know, all the months of the NFL draft predictions, Mark Bavaro, widely regarded as the Giants' best ever tight end, was a fourth-round pick, number 100, overall in 85 out of Notre Dame. That's what you got to take. Take it with sometimes with a grain of salt. And how about this? Ernie Banks in 2018. It's a beautiful, let's play none. Last Saturday afternoon was a peach. Sunny, temperatures in the low 80s. But the Mets, Major League Baseball under Rob, we love kids. Manfred, which he doesn't, had the game against the Brewers played here at night where temperatures plummeted to the 40s with the wind gusting to 30 miles per hour and practical people stayed away by the thousands. And he brought up, you know, Bruno San Martino, wrestler who just died recently, in a TV-delivered entertainment industry mostly aimed at kids, pro wrestling as it became increasingly reliant on sleaze, steroids, and other illegal drug, drugs. And as job-related justice performance became steady, Bruno Sammartino stood out as a man who would not be moved to, who would not be moved to ignore any of it. He became a primary go-to guy in the 1990s when uh, Mushnick interviewed, investigated WF's now WD's vast netherworld. He'd often provide tips and open doors to identify Vince and Linda McMahon's empire as far worse than I could imagine, even to the point where underage employees were allegedly abused by WWF, WWE highest visibility regulars, including ring boss Mel Phillips. And San Martini once spoke on the record that cost him plenty, but he continued to note the sudden deaths of young wrestlers, you know, these supposedly physically fit, looking mass-muscled, particularly more were coming on uh, Vince McMahon's watch, and they did. Listen, Vince McMahon even admitted taking steroids. And WWE, WF's top doctor, Dr. George Zahorian, went to prison for illegal drug distribution. The McMahon sold unprintable, vulgar skits and merchandise to kids. But San Martini, San Martino, uh, you know, he didn't want blood money. He was so conscious of his clean image that he would not have a glass of wine in a restaurant if a kid was in the room. And if, if, if it were he who ran the McMahon's business, many other performers also would have lived into their 80s instead of barely making it to the middle age if they were lucky. He's got a point there. Crazy how, yeah. And I love this why I love punching. Tells it like it is. David Leith feels that Mark Jackson would be a good head coach. He's a very smart perspective looking at the game, especially in dealing with what you want in New York. You need somebody to understand the landscape. Coaching and playing in New York is different than any city. He said, Mark understands New York City. Oh, hey, we shall see. And he also felt that, you know, he was like almost, well, you think about it. He helped get the, he, he's the one who, if they said, he felt if uh, if the center at the time hadn't gotten hurt and they'd beaten the Clippers that year, they would have kept his job. Then brought Keaton Courier and they won the championship. But he was like, he helped, he felt that Jackson helped bump up the franchise to another level. And then Kerr, well, Kerr got, basically got the, he, uh, he took, well, he took like a jalopy, fixed it up, and then uh, Steve Kerr got to drive it away. I, I think he got him as far as he could get, and then they brought him in, and we all see how that happened. And supposedly Hawks coach Mike uh, Burdenholzer withdrew his name for the Suns job, and everybody wants David Fisdale now. Now Fisdale wants, I mean, he's there, I heard Charlotte, Orlando, the Knicks, so the Sixers win last night. This, I love this. Love NBA playoff basketball. And they're not playing again until Sunday fucking afternoon. 
Are you kidding me? Why, why do we have to wait that many days? There were 31 fouls, four technicals called last night. In the opening 24 minutes, Justice Winslow actually stepped on Embiid's broken off goggles and the team took 45 free throws. Hey, what are you going to do? And the Dark Knight, yeah. Harvey 0-2 with the Sikare is the weak link. They said he probably should go to the bullpen. Or maybe, you know what? They're just saying he is stinking it up there. I mean, he pitched his, but he did pitch his, at his longest start in forever. Got clobbered early. They lost 12-4 last night. He lasted six innings for the first time at 12th start, dating to last May 28th in Pittsburgh. Overall, he allowed six earned runs and eight hits and one walk with four strikeouts on a night. The Mets bat went silent against Matt Whistler. They think that Wheeler and Matt, or the other starters, could be considered for removal from the rotation once Vargas returns. But both have pitched better than Harvey, who has regressed since opening the season with five scoreless innings against the Phillies. Yeah, Cal, we're going to make the best decision for the team, and it might not be the guy who was performing the worst. Okay. Yeah, and they can't send him AAA. He'd have to approve such a transaction. And the Eagles will open up defense of their title Thursday night against the Falcons, September 6th. All right. And so the Jets host the Lions, and then Gruden, the, uh, the Rams, followed by the Rams at the Raiders, making his coaching debut. And the Packers' home schedule includes a Monday night football matchup with the Niners on October 15th, and then the Giants will travel to face the Dallas Cowboys in Week 2. Well, I like those games. Three London games. A matchup between the Chiefs and the Rams in Mexico City on November 19th was also announced. 2018 schedule is three three-game road trips down from seven last year. Also, no team plays a road game following a road Monday night match. Thanks to you. So you got Detroit and Dallas, Lions playing the Bears, then the Redskins at the Cowboys, and then Redskins, and then tonight the uh, Falcons hosting the Saints. Those are good Thanksgiving Day games. Yeah, Bears. Yeah, I love the Lions Bears. It's always a classic. You got Cleveland Browns hosting Pittsburgh on the opening Sunday. New England and at Jacksonville in a rematch of the AFC title game week two. The Eagles and Vikings in an NFC championship redo in Philly on October 7th. And the Steelers versus Patriots in Pittsburgh in week 15. Okay, so flexible schedule is available weeks 11 through 17. But two Sundays in weeks 5 to 10 also have a game flex tonight. Also, flex scheduling will be used for Saturday games in weeks 15 and 16. In week 15, two games will be played on Saturday, December 15th. Houston at the Jets and Cleveland at Denver with game times at 4.30 and 8.20 to be determined. In week 16, two of the four possible matchups will be scheduled for Saturday. Baltimore at the Chargers, Jacksonville, Miami, Giants at Indianapolis, and Washington at Tennessee. Start times for Saturday and Sunday for week 15 and 16 will be announced no later than following week 8. But the contest not chosen for Saturday to be played on Sunday on the 16th weekend. North Sonic games have been scheduled for the last day of the season, December 30th. That will be chosen after the week 16 games conclude. Okay. So the Saints, Rams, and Ravens are scheduled for, scheduled for three-game road trips this season. But the Ravens and Rams also have three-game homestands. And all 12, so the 12 franchises are home for three straight weeks. And Baltimore and Annapolis have a bye mixed in, meaning neither club will leave home for a month. Playoffs begin the weekend of January 5th, 6th. Super Bowl is February 3rd in Atlanta. 
And how about that Scarface? 35th anniversary. And uh, Brian De Palma said the arc of Montana and Scarface was reminiscent of President Donald Trump. So Donald Trump came from uh, on a boat over from Cuba with nothing and then ran the country. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. From dishwasher to drug lord. Didn't his father give him $10 million? So one one sour note occurred when a moderator asked Pfeiffer about her weight during the filming, prompting booze from the audience in the Beacon Theater. Shut the fuck up. Ridiculous. How about this? Freaking the Diamondbacks won their sixth straight season to start the season. First time ever in their history. The 13-5, and five, their best start in franchise history. The best start since 2008. Pretty great, huh? Go Diamondbacks. And the Bears will open the season against the Packers in primetime on Sunday, September 9th. First time the Bears will open the season in Green Bay since 2009. And the second time in the last nine years, the team will begin the season on the road. And the thing is, the last four Bears new co- uh, head coaches, they won their first game at Lambeau Field. So John Fox, Mark Tressman, Lovey Smith, and Dick Jerron, man, I that's a name blast from the past. Even though Green Bay 39 and 14 versus the Bears since the 92 season. See if Nagy can get them playing. Last year, they opened the season, the Bears, facing four teams coming over the season, three which reached the postseason this year. Only one of the first five opponents had a winning record last year. The Seahawks, who the Bears host on ESPN's Monday Night Football in Week 2. Pretty cool. And I read this thing about Jake Locker where he got him into religion, preferably Jesus. They did something called the, the Matt Hasselbeck said that when he was with the Titans, there's something called the Daily Bread in which they competed to compliment at least one person each day. That's pretty cool, right? You should all do that. Gil Brandt has worked in the NFL for 63 years. He grades prospects on a nine point system broken down into five characteristics character quickness and agility strength and explosion competitiveness and mental alertness over his career he has graded 492 running backs Barkley ranks highest of them all he said he's 100% chance of being an all pro he's the best player in the draft Gil Brand if you say that that is that is what you take and you know the, the Bark, I, I read something at MPB of Barkley they said uh they said he didn't show up in big games. He goes, what about the Rose Bowl against USC? Fiesta Bowl against Washington. Well, the Ohio State game, my freshman year against the number one team in the country. He averaged 175 yards, yards rushing those three games. He said, who was the best player on the field that day against the Buckeyes? Me. The, uh, me. Hands down, the arguments they make are so pointless. I agree. And he grew up a Jets fan. And he said he'd go to Cleveland. He goes, if I bring a championship to the land... As LeBron did, he'll be hailed as the best athlete of his generation of a statue built in his honor. And, I and, you know, he's working on his brand. And I love what uh, Curtis Martin, he met who he idolized. And he said, uh, he said, life is a lot like chess. He explains that he went to NFL thinking about how he could make, take the opportunity and maximize it. He said he's seen a lot of teammates and colleagues on other teams who had the opportunity, but they made mistakes off the field and squandered it. He believe, you know, he, he told Barkley he believes Saquon has the ability to break every record and become the best ever to play the game. But he also warns that Barkley is about to come in contact with three substantial influences, money, fame, and power. He, and Martin said if he ever had enemies he wanted to conquer, he would give him all the money, the fame, and power that he could, then sit back and watch himself destruct. That was very interesting. It's amazing. 
and Martin teaches a weekly life study class. He gets rappers and movie stars and singers and athletes together. Most of them have everything they could ever want in the world, but they're the emptiest and most miserable people Martin has ever seen. They weren't always like that. He goes, most guys come to the league with a lot of hunger, he says. They have goals and dreams. They want to do good things, big things. But eventually the temptations and the partying begin to ruin them. Martin looks up to the perfect NFL prospect, the running back who will become the face of the league. He doesn't expect the Barkley will have that problem. But Martin warns, if you're not focused, all the plans, all the aspirations can vanish in a second. Thanks, Ben Baskin from MMQB. And I read an interesting thing about uh, you know Demoff, the GM of the Rams. He said he ran a study and concluded that it now takes players about three years to have the same amount of practice time they would have gotten in one year under the old CBA. So young players usually get a couple years to prove themselves, but if they don't make them immediate contributions, teams move on quickly. So it's not baseball, you have minor leagues and then six years of service. So if you go really young, you're not finding out until year three or four if they're any good, and then you're paying market rate for them. And look, the RG3 trade, load up with Rams talent, pretty much it's complete bust. We're the youngest team in the league for four years, five years, but you have to find those veterans to plug in. And they said offensive linemen used to be the easiest and safest plays to project in the NFL, but in the last five years, top ten picks, Luke Jokel, Jonathan Cooper, Chance Warmock, Eric Flowers, and Robinson, who were number two of the Rams, have all been busts. Uh, Banner, the uh, Joe Banner, the GM of the Eagles, said it. He went from the easiest, safest pick to one where we've seen a lot of misses. Now, does that mean things have really changed, or it's just that we're in a down cycle at the moment? I don't know, but there's no doubt that there are some positions in the league that have a higher batting average, and that doesn't seem to be as true anymore. Now he says, "I also," but Banner also said, "I'm not. I'm never going to join the school that thinks trading away all your draft picks is a smart thing to do." But I'm saying, relative to where it was six, seven years ago, when teams desperately needed these picks to just manage their cap. Those picks have lost a bit of the value. That's the underlying change in how some teams are building the rosters. And also the cap, risen 10 to 12 million each year from 123 in 2013 to 177.2 this year, thanks to the TV money. The Niners, the Browns rolled over 58.9 million this year. The 49ers entered with more than 100 million in cap space, while 20 teams had 20 million in space and 12 teams had 40 million. So adding, you know, a veteran or two isn't as cost prohibitive as it used to be. You know, look at the look at the Eagles. Alshon Jeffrey, LeGarrette Blunt, Chris Long, Timmy uh, Jernigan, and, and uh, Torrey Smith all played crucial roles. And the Patriots also did the same thing, which hasn't used a first-round pick since 2015. Interesting stuff. And then you have a quarterback like Winston, captain number 8.06 this year. You can spend money on other players, too. And the Trey Flowers, the Patriots defensive, you know, the young defensive end, made about two point one million in his first three seasons combined, and will make one point nine this year. You know, some of you get these younger players. That thanks Ben Volen for uh, some of this stuff, but these young players, you know, crazy, right? Crazy, crazy. So yeah, that's what Ben Volan was talking about. His drafts is important. You have to; it's got to be a good mix. You got to get some veterans, and you got to get some. You got to get some young guys, but you got to get young guys who contribute. You can't have these young guys and wait three years for them to contribute. You got to find guys that you can plug in and start playing right away. You can't have these guys project because you don't have that much time. With the the, the CBA has cut back on practices. You used to have unlimited padded practices during the season. Now I think they have fourteen during the whole entire season, and even before the season, like that's what guys are complaining. I can't get the playbook to the guy because they, you know, because of the CBA. It is bananas. Bananas, bananas. 
yeah, just crazy. Yeah, Jewish Crown Prince. I screwed that up. Master of the Universe new movie. They're going to come out with a new version. Oh, I cannot wait. Oh, He-Man. Bring it back. Bring it back. Did you see that picture? Putty. I forget his name. Putty from uh, was a Devil Game in full. Remember that Seinfeld episode? Well, he was dressed up on Devil Paint. I was, I was at the gym yesterday. I started laughing my ass off. That was funny as shit. Yeah, Joel and B, they're busting him on his mask. I think it was kind of scary. Yeah, that's a great freaking picture. Oh, yeah, that, that picture's staying. Yeah, Putty in the freaking E looks. And El Diablo. El Diablo. El Diablo. Yeah, it's a, that's a scary. I got to be honest with you. That's a scary picture. I am not going to lie to you. Yeah, you know, he's in good shape, man. He's got some veins pumping out of the bicep. Yeah, I got to find that picture. Homeland, next season will be, that's it. Next season, last year. I know you're all upset about that. What are we going to do? Carrie Underwood, I don't know what we're going to do. No, Carrie? Is that what we're going to do? Carrie? I'm going to forget her last name. Yeah, but I get, that's a great picture. Marshall Lynch, man, I think Gruden must uh, cut some side deals, he said on the Raiders. We'll see how that, listen, could be a lot of things. Oh, and Stan Van will meet with the owner to discuss his future with the team. We'll see. Yeah. That can't be good long term. That's going to come back. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not going to come back. And Dubs, freaking Warriors have won 19 of the first 20 playoff games of the last 20, matching the 2001-2002 Lakers for most in a 20-game stretch. Warriors announced that Curry has made consistent progress in rehab and will return to portions of practice tomorrow. That's good for the team. And USC, Sam, uh, Sam Donald arrives at Jets facility in Jersey today for his top 30 visit on the last day clubs are allowed to host prospects in-house. Okay. Good to know. Sam Darnold. Eagles are a three-and-a-half point favorite versus the Falcons in week one from Vegas. Okay. Oh, yeah. Card sold for $2.8 million, $2.8 million, $2.88 million, and it was owned by the former offensive lineman Evan Mathis. He played with the Broncos. He said he needed the cash to free up some cash for a house he's building. Good for you, dude. That's nice. $2.8 million from 1952 Mickey Mantle card. Yeah, and uh, freaking Golden State blew out uh, San Antonio, which was playing without Popovich. His wife died. Crazy. Evan Mathis, 1952 Mickey Mantle. It's a lot of money, dude. 85% of the NBA smoke weed. NBA, NBA vets open up and light up on cannabis like never before. Are we shocked that they smoke weed? Are we? No, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't I think that's not not crazy at all. All right. I got to get ready for work. Let us let us get to the trivia questions. I got you know I covered a lot of stuff today. I got to the stuff with Rock that was bothering me. Not bothered. Well, I want to, I'm glad he. I'm glad he was opened up and was that honest with me, and I was able to tell my audience. And yesterday's trivia question was: What two any uh, NCAA football coach, college football coaches, have the most national championships? Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, both have six. All right. Okay. 
What conference in this past year's bowl season set the record for the worst bowl record by a Power 5 conference? What conference in this past, in 2017-18 bowl season set a record for the worst bowl record by a Power 5 conference? All right. Oh, Yankees got a win yesterday. Judge hit another home run. I had something about how the Yankees stuck, stunk, so now the Yankees are 9-8. and eight. And we'll see if they can keep this going against the Blue Jays. Mets lost the bat, as I said. The Dark Knight is not pitching like the Dark Knight. He's pitching more like the lights out, light, lights are out night. I don't even know what to call him. I wouldn't call him a light night anymore. I just call him sad. All right, folks. Have a great night. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, great day. It's still daytime. Peace out. Jane the Virgin sees the finale tonight. Will Jane get a... Will she get a marriage proposal today? I hope so. Okay. Peace out.